Well, this is the most pleasurable sound that you can hear at the end of a day, the sound of wine going into a glass. But I have to say that I think the most pleasurable experience this week has been getting to interview my daughter, my only adult working daughter, for the Mother's Day edition of Women Work and Wine Wednesday. You get to meet Caitlin Carlson, who went to school in Seattle and darn it got a job in Seattle, which is a blessing and a curse. So she's still half a country away from our family, but she's doing some really great things and she's busting out some of the myths about kids um, kind of coming into their own. She's going to talk a little bit about her short work history, but her surprises about what work full-time is like in a large company, um, what her experience was like um, growing up with two working parents, how she's balancing her whole life right now, and how she has come to enjoy wine, which is, you know, the most important thing on this podcast. So grab your girlfriends in your bottle of wine or your glass of wine, well, hopefully the bottle you're sharing with your girlfriends. But I am sharing a piece of my heart to you because having a child is like ripping the heart out of your body and watching it walk around. <laughs> and I think you might sense that in our conversation. But I'm so proud of this kid and so glad to let you in on the conversation with Caitlin Carlson. Well, hi there, Caitlin. Hello, hello. So nice to to hear your voice as usual, but even nicer to hear your voice on my podcast. That's right. I know. I've been listening for a while. It's cool to be on the other side of things. I know. To finally get to state your opinion somewhere, <laughs> published over the airways. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I can't tell you how excited... I am to to get to interview you as a working woman. I mean, I have to just get over. You know how I cry all the time. <laughs> I talk about my kids. You have the right, as my mother. I give yeah, you the right. I, I I will try not to cry on this podcast, but I'm so <laughs> stinking proud of what you've done. And um, I mean, I'm proud of all three of you. But as the oldest of the three. You've paved a, a path for your sisters and um, kind of created some high expectations, but that's okay. They've lived up to that. Okay. <laughs> but um, I'm going to pretend to put that aside for a minute because nobody else knows the rest of the family. And I thought about having all three of you on. I said, no, it's a working woman podcast. I'm just having the working woman. And you've been a working woman since January this year. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind... In our conversation, most of the women listening are probably somewhere between 40 and 55. Um, they may or may not have kids, but many of them are balancing multiple demands. And I think um, both from the perspective of having children and also managing the younger generation mm. in their workplace. And so I'd like you to, to think of your answers from the the frame of mind that um, would help somebody who is trying to get inside your head as the next generation of leadership 
in our corporate workplace. So um, that said, I'm going to wind it back and let you give um, our listeners an introduction to your work history and even what predicated that in, in school with what you chose to study. Yeah, definitely. So my background is in psychology. I just graduated from Seattle Pacific University in December. Doesn't even feel real yet. I don't even have my diploma in my hand. And somehow here I am now working. Your diploma is actually in my office. It it came in the mail. Oh, well, it's in your hand, not mine. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So I am now literally graduated, which is very exciting. Um, I got a job in January, uh, immediately after school at a big tech company that is uh, based in Redmond, Washington. And it was, it was an interesting adjustment to make. I was always really, really committed to trying to get straight to a full-time job out of university, uh, mostly just for my own study, trying to achieve my own personal expectations. Uh, and so I managed to make it work and it's really exciting. And even just since I've been here in January, there's been a lot of change within the organization. Um, but where I'm at right now is working in research operations, uh, basically doing a lot of project management for events that we put on, on a monthly basis at this company that tries to connect employees and software developers with customers at large. So the cool thing is that my first job out of college is something that I really believe in. It's all about building human relationships. And it's in a culture where I didn't think that really existed. I'm still getting used to corporate culture and everything like that, but uh, it's so far taken a much different route, a lot much different direction than I'd expected. So it's really exciting. It's been really, really overwhelming, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, as you know, being my mom, you've, you've heard me talk to you about this many times. <laughs> um, but for everyone else out there, it is, it's a big adjustment to make. Uh, transitioning from a student to a full-time employee anywhere. Uh, and one of the things I think I was most excited for walking into it was not having to be working 24 seven, right? As a student, that is a 24 seven job and there is no way to compartmentalize your work-life balance um, and to keep those things separate because as soon as you're finished with one task, there's always something else that can be done. So it was really, really cool to get used to this full-time job where I could leave work at work and keep home at home. But along with that has come the challenge of making sure I keep those things separate. And it's really easy to, to slip out of that and to just let those two worlds collide. Uh, so that's been one of the biggest adjustments I've had to make so far is just knowing where my own boundaries are and knowing where other people's boundaries are and just how to set all of those. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Or, uh, especially with regard to, um, the different generations in the workplace. Now at a tech company, it might be largely closer to your age plus 20. (laughs) Um, But I'm wondering if, if some of that balance of expectations is a product of um, age or generation. Do you think? Mm, Expectations meaning the balance, um, keeping work at work and home at home. Well, I think 
I've seen and experienced, I've heard from a lot of people um, just while I was growing up from when I was learning about what adult careers were like Uh, and even just exposure to the media and things like that. I've seen a lot of individuals who struggle a lot personally because of an inability to separate work and personal life. Um, And so part of me was expecting when I came into this company to have to dive into it 110%. And I was in in this mindset for a while. It was an expectation that I set for myself uh, to try to make sure to prove myself to everyone. Even though I was told that I was working 40 hours a week, I, I took my own initiative with that and decided that if I want to be able to catch up to everybody and prove myself because I am the youngest in the office, then I will have to work outside of it. Um, but everyone else on my team, regardless of age, I, wor- I work with everyone. I work from with people in their 20s all the way up to people in their 60s, big, wide variety. And everyone has done a really, really good job of emphasizing to me that it's important that I can keep those two things separate. Super. Uh, yeah. That's really good. It's good to hear. Uh, there are a lot of conversations going on right now about intergenerational leadership mm-hmm. and um, the difference in expectations between generations and how much they work or when they show up or, you know, what those boundaries are. And it sounds like in that company, there's uh, really equal expectations all around. Yeah. And it's, it feels very progressive in that sense, because like I mentioned, that's not really what I expected dealing with corporate life for the first time. Um, but that's because my only exposure to it in the past had been other people's testimonies or even just the media. So I, I think that my company and my team specifically has done a really good job of making sure that I, as someone who's not familiar with how all of this works, that I can keep those things separate. Right, right. That's good. Uh, I'm going to throw a little uh, different spin to the conversation. We talked about this a little bit earlier. You've experienced a tremendous amount of change in the few months that you've been in this new job. So how did that compare with your expectations? And how are you... um, navigating that course you're with your in your own um internal challenges with change yeah so it's been very overwhelming personally uh just to get used to this new set of expectations how how to communicate in the workplace is a big thing that i've been working on how much or how little communication is necessary in order to get the job done um and when it comes to managing that, one thing that I found is that's really, really helpful is I sort of self-designated a mentor within the workplace nice. uh, to help me just talk through these things and to to give me advice and to to just hear me out whenever I have a concern or a question or anything like that. And the other thing that has really helped me think through all of these changes is spending time with people who are closer to my age at work. Uh, because I know that they have experienced this same situation recently. You know, they're in a pretty similar boat to me. And so the most important thing for me when it comes to just adjusting to all of the change has been increasing communication with as many people as I can and making my own voice heard um, and making sure that I, I don't let it become something that just, you know, bars down on me until I can't handle it anymore. Right. So. Taking care of it right away. 
exactly. Yeah. And so I think that having those resources in the workplace is really, really special and not everyone can find that immediately, but I was really lucky to, uh, really fortunate to find that. And that's made all the difference for me so far. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Makes me happy to know that you, um, well, you're a psychology student. You're supposed to know how to handle these things anyway, right? <laughs> which is an interesting shift on both the generational conversation and just workforce in general. I think mm-hmm. we've all heard that the, our workforce is changing and most of us who do have kids um, will see that our kids have jobs that never existed when we mm-hmm. got out of school. And when I was in college, the only application of a psychology degree was to get a PhD and have a clinical practice. And that was never your intention, right? Exactly. Well, that's actually, it's funny that you bring that up because one of my psych professors when I was at SPU mentioned several times, I had many classes with him. He said, most of the jobs that y'all are going to be getting don't even exist yet, just because the world we live in is so dynamic now. And uh, the the workforce is changing. Like right. You said, so. Yeah. Good point. Well, it's neat that they're they're talking about that early so that your expectations, you can set your parents' expectations differently. (laughs) (laughs) We've just been thrilled that this whole thing of consumer behavior research exists just in time for us to graduate a psychology student. And (laughs) and and it's exciting because it's it's fun and it's cutting edge and you're in high tech, which is my old career. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes me excited because you're doing the fun part in high tech, which is user interface and product design. It's, yeah. it's really cool. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because we're about 12 minutes in. And part of what we talk about here is um, the blend. And um, you're the first um, interview I've had with your generation. And you deserve to be the first because you're my daughter. <laughs> but um, I think it would help everyone who listens to get the perspective of a young woman just entering her career on the, the tough challenge it is to be a full-time working parent. Mm. And I've always wanted to ask you in, in some kind of a public interview, do you think it worked for you or against you to have a working mom? As someone who has just started her own career, and I promise I'm not getting paid to say this at all, I am (laughs) extremely grateful to have had two working parents growing up. Um, I think that it made me a lot more aware of what the real world is like because my family has always been super transparent with me uh, about how things are going at work and the ups and the downs. And so getting to, to be, not be a part of those challenges, but getting to watch those challenges and how my parents respond to them, as well as how they do um, at their best, just both the ups and the downs, has made a bigger impact on me than I realized. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of assumptions that you make as a kid about what a parent should be because you go to your friends' houses and media exposure. You you have your own expectations of how things should work. Uh, But I think our family was really special and unique and that my parents did a really great job of communicating with me from a young age and just being honest with me about how things were going and letting me know when they weren't feeling their best and letting me know when they were feeling better and we could go celebrate. Uh, So I think keeping your kids in the loop on that kind of thing, it at least made all the difference in the world to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it, it built a stronger relationship. It built stronger trust and it made me feel more 
more comfortable to more comfortable with and more inclined to ask you guys questions that I had as I was entering the workforce. Oh, because we weren't perfect. Go figure. Yeah. You're pretty Uh, close, but we we talk about life in progress, right? And we talk about here are the tough decisions this week. Here is your dad's tax bill, you know, just Mm -hmm. the kinds of things that are just life. Mm -hmm. And, um, I used to wonder if it was not in your best interest to just speak openly about the kinds of issues that we were having. I thought maybe our parents supposed to protect their kids from the realities of life. And I thought, well, since I don't really have a blueprint for this, I'm just going to go for it and live exactly how my gut tells me to live. Yeah. I'm glad to know that it turned out okay. Yeah. I would say, I would say your gut led you in the right direction. I think it's really important to, uh, emphasize the the transparency in the parent-child relationship. And it's interesting, too, because a parent, it wouldn't always occur to a parent to talk to their kids about how work is going, how right. much they love it, how much they hate it, what they're struggling with. But, um, yeah, I, I think it definitely makes an impact. I have to say that you guys ask at the dinner table, how did work go today? You ask dad, how many sales did he make? You ask me, how's it going in graduate school? You guys ask those questions. Mm-hmm. So that that's part of the deal. That's definitely. And you were one of the few people in college who knew how to work the laundry. <laughs> that's true. I remember you calling me from the laundry room saying, mom, you wouldn't believe how many people don't even know how to work the machines. I'm having to show them where to put the soap. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, I, I often, I just spoke to a mom's group last week, and I often say, my kids were doing their own laundry since they could reach the dials on the washer with a step stool. And you can attest to that because you were actually in need of a step stool for most of your life. <laughs> yep, yep. That's when, I, that's when I felt like I had finally reached adulthood, was at eight years old when I learned how to wash my own sheets. <laughs> <laughs> you stripped your bed, washed your sheets, and you remade your bed. And sometimes maybe with the help of a sister, I don't know what we're going to do when your sisters are all gone because we haven't made our bed in years. Oh, I know. Yeah. So I, that's a sadness for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We haven't yet trained the dog to make the bed, but. um, We'll get there. Okay. So working um, parents can turn out good children. You, you guys are the proof. Yes. That, um, the a two parent um, home with a lot of stuff going on and both parents traveling for business on occasion, it still works out for everybody. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's good for moms to hear that. It's, it's good for women to hear that in general, because they, they do carry a lot of guilt about what they should be doing. And I think you guys are proof that it's, it's um, a good operation. Yeah. So, well, I was, How just, does... I was just going to add on to that really quick. And there's, there's a major mental and emotional development that happens when you see your parents in difficult situations. And it, as a parent may not always be aware of just how much that is affecting their kid, but um, really, the, the is that kid, a whether, they, whether they realize it or not, the kid is definitely absorbing all of that that's happening. They, they can tell when something is wrong and, seeing the way that their parents handle challenges makes a big impact on how they can handle those same challenges in the future. Not down to the time that I threw the KitchenAid though. That one doesn't count. <laughs> I think I blocked that from my memory. 
Uh, good, good. Keep blocking it. Because, I mean, you see us make mistakes, too. And every, everyone does make mistakes, but that's, I think yeah. that's another piece of the transparency, you know, it's accepting the fact that, like you said, mom, that we're imperfect and that we all have flaws and that the only way we can get through this is together. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a great thing because I, I tell um, a lot of people too, that I give my kids full permission to let me know when I'm over the edge. Like you let me know that I posted the wrong picture on Instagram and I had to explain to you why I posted the wrong picture on Instagram (laughs) talking about my daughter's 16th birthday. But um, you also keep me honest when I come home and I'm frazzled. Y'all have learned that instead of reacting to my stress, you ask, can I bring you a glass of wine in the bath? Or, you know, can I help with dishes or let me go ahead and make dinner. It, and that has made life so much easier for me just to take that off my hands. Mm-hmm. So wanted to throw that out there, but <laughs> it's a good segue to that whole issue of balance because you're learning that in order to really bring your best to work, you have to take care of yourself because mm-hmm. you have to fill that cup. If you're going to bring your best emotionally, mentally, and just energy wise to work. So as a single working gal who has to take the bus an hour each way, um, you, that eats up a lot of your time. So how are you keeping everything in balance and making sure that you're taking care of Caitlin? That is a great question. And honestly, it's something I'm still figuring out. You know, I've been in this role for five, four or five months now. Um, and I've, I've realized just how easy it is to let work seep into my personal life. Um, there's, there's a lot of cognitive science and that's research that supports, um, if you want to be able to focus better, the best way to do that is to find ways to separate your tasks. And so one thing I struggle with is how easily distracted I am because both in, you know, my personal life and my work life, as it is with any working individual, you have a lot of things on your plate at once. Yeah. So, um, really trying to designate my physical space to certain tasks is really helpful for me. So um, I, I try to avoid leaving any tasks to do once I get home. I try to make sure I knock out everything while I'm at work. Um, it still definitely doesn't always happen because that's just the reality of it. Um, but for me, on a, on a tangible level, just making sure that I can only work on work at work and only feed uh, my my soul and my my personal needs at home uh, has been really important and it's it's really difficult to do because there are expectations that people have of you and there are deadlines that you need to meet and everything like that but um, I think another important piece of it is being honest with with your team too and letting people know when you've crossed a line or you've hit a wall and you just can't handle the workload anymore. I think that conversations around bandwidth are very, very important and they, they make a huge impact on the early stages of the career for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's funny how you said work at work and so, you know, soul at home. And, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's the element of taking your soul to work with you that a lot of people don't talk about that. Mm. And you know, that in my coaching business, I talk about that all the time, because if you don't have a safe place where you can say, I'm about to burst, then you're putting everyone around you at risk of experiencing said 
melt down. And you don't have a KitchenAid to throw at work, but you could make worse, worse decisions than I have um, in the workplace. And so how do you take a moment when you're at work and you're feeling the pressure of a deadline or feeling the pressure of having to make a decision in the absence of, of any kind of counsel? How are you processing that? Yeah, so I'm someone who is very, I'm overwhelmed very quickly. And the way that I think through things is that I need a minute to step back. And so my my initial reaction to handling conflict or big deadlines or whenever I'm starting to feel overwhelmed at work is to find a way to separate myself from everyone. And that may not be the most helpful solution for everyone. I have friends for whom it's better for them to talk it through someone and talk it through with someone and find a way to get themselves organized. But uh, stepping back and thinking about what it is that feeds my soul. So uh, just taking an intentional five minutes every, every two hours or so to, to dedicate to the soul feast, (laughs) Uh, whether that be just taking a five minute walk outside or calling my mom or, um, good answer. Just treating myself to a pizza, you know, whatever I feel like I need that day. And I think it's important to, to keep it changing and to, um, do that. But I, I think that setting aside time on my calendar specifically for that is really helpful because you end up relying entirely on your calendar when you're at work. Mm-hmm. And so setting aside self-care time has been really impactful for me That's- and making sure treating it like it's a meeting and not, not allowing yourself to push it off either. It's important. I, I heard from a CEO that he puts thinking on his calendar, mm-hmm. like an hour to shut everything down and think, and some might call that meditation, whatever you want to call it. He creates white space in his day to be able to receive inspiration. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so smart. It's great to hear a CEO does it. And it's great to hear that you're doing it in your early stages. Mm -hmm. Well, talking about soul, I mean, you know, the most important question in this whole podcast, right? I have a feeling you're about to tell me. Yeah. What's your favorite wine? <laughs> That's and right. I have to throw out here that I know that when you left for Europe for your final <laughs> semester abroad, you still were not a wine drinker. Yep. And when you came back and came home for Christmas, you said, Mom, I have developed a love of wine over there in Europe. <laughs> so exactly. Tell us about the progression and what would be the first thing you'd go buy right now if you're having happy hour with your friends at home well I knew that I wouldn't be able to survive very long as a 21 year old who just so happens to be Donna Carlson's daughter if I didn't like red wine so I've been (laughs) sampling it for years and still thinking it's disgusting but I think (laughs) um that trip to Europe definitely changed me uh we, we we got to go to Paris and try out a bottle and drink it along the Seine, I think it was all about the atmosphere and the experience for me. And now <laughs> I have wrong. completely, <sighs> completely changed my perspective of, of red wine. So, um, oh gosh, I don't know if I can say I have a favorite because my palate isn't even acclimated enough at this point to know, but I do know that most cabs I've had, I have really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know that I have a lot of a lot of learning to do from you. You are quite the wine aficionado. And so I expect lessons next time I'm home. 
Well, now that you're actually drinking red wine, you will get to sample more good wine. I will not let the cheap stuff cross your lips because <laughs> I think that's where people develop headaches and all those kinds of things that make you hate wine. And it makes me hate that the wine industry has produced that stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, keep your, it feels like a personal betrayal, doesn't it? Yeah. Keep your expectations really high. I would rather have less wine and have better wine than have an abundance of wine. So yeah, keep your yeah. expectations high. I will train you. I will, <laughs> I will train you. And um, the most recent find that I have was a Chateau St. Michel Cabernet Sauvignon that I can get at tar not Target. Oh my gosh. At Costco. Ooh. For like ten ninety nine, and I do think they probably bottle this specifically for Costco, but um, it's really good. I mean, so if you go to Costco, the Chateau Saint Michel Cabernet is very drinkable, and I haven't mm. tried. I think that same vineyard has produced several different bottles that are at a really, really good price at Costco. So, best lesson in wine for a young woman entering um, adulthood and you are over 21 and <laughs> you were 21 when we went to Europe, even though it didn't matter in Europe. That's right. But um, there are so many good wines under $15 that are better than so many wines over $30. So right. don't let the price tag fool you. <laughs> so there's my sage advice for my adult daughter on our special mother's day edition. You really made my week. I think I can just stop now because <laughs> it is so fun and I can't wait to finish editing this and send it to everybody because I'm just so proud of who you are. You are proof that Donna Carlson is not a waste of oxygen on this planet. And you um, still have so many really great things to do. I'm excited to watch and see what those are. Well, I think Donna Carlson has done a pretty good job. So yay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pulling out my funny voices. Don't get me going on my Russian accent. Though. Oh, yeah. No? Okay. So Maybe I'm going gonna, gonna to say that um, this is not the last podcast I'm going to do with you. I might do one together with you and your sisters later on in the year. Hannah, um, your 18-year-old sister today, said, thank God that you decided to do it just with Caitlin. I don't know <laughs> that I would have anything to say. And I said, mm, <laughs> we'll work on you. Well, we'll get, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get it out of them. Yeah, we'll give you a semester at college and then we'll ask. So yeah. I can't uh, answer the wine question for a while, but that's okay. She will never drink wine. I'm not worried. I'm not even going to try. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I finally have a kid I'm sending to college. Well, no, I mean, I didn't worry about you drinking all that much at college either. <laughs> but Hannah, I don't worry about at all because she can't stand the taste of wine or beer. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, we're safe. We're safe. Mm -hmm. Thank you, honey. And um, any last words? Mm. Well, I want to thank you for letting me come on to the podcast. It was super exciting. And I think it was really perfect that I got to come on for the Mother's Day podcast. And I love what you're doing here. And I hope that all your listeners benefited a little bit from what I had to say today. But I'm just really excited about about this. So me too. You got to share yeah. all your friends so that we can um, spread the love. Yes. Thanks, sweetie, and have a great night. All right. Love you, Mom. Love you. Bye. Bye. It's so fun to have you on this podcast sharing this information, and I hope you will share it with friends. First of all, 
go to 360lifestrategies.com, 360lifestrategies.com, and get on my mail list so that you can find out uh, what's coming up in the future with our um, our guests and our special speakers and our retreats, but also just to stay connected. Uh, you can also stay in touch with us on Instagram at Donna Carlson 360, on Facebook at 360 Life Strategies, and I keep all of my wine collection on Pinterest in my wine palace at 360 Life Strategies. So stay in touch, and most of all, share with a friend or bring a whole group next time and listen in. Talk to you next week.